This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, the show that is fueled by Guinness, powered by celery, and I think tonight I can safely say is as disorganised as the Chelsea defence because I forgot to write my usual intro. So uh, I am Stamford Chidge, about to wing it. Um, very sadly, I was unable to go to the uh, West Ham match on Saturday thanks to a combined uh, evil axis of UEFA and the Premier League. Uh, moving it to the Saturday, where I had a date in my diary for a long time. But uh, luckily, as chance and serendipity would have it, Sky had the decency to have it as the game of the day. So I was able to catch up with it and catch up with it. I did. And uh, it's I, what I'm really surprised about is the absolute furore that's been caused by so many things, like Chelsea being really shit and uh, VAR being absolutely outrageous. But actually, if you drill down to the detail, you may find that a different story comes to light. Those of you who are watching Jonathan's Chelsea Fanbite uh, will no doubt already have had a sneak preview of that. But the reality is, for me, we won a game of football against a horrible opposition who we don't like, which means we got three points. And at this stage of the season, that's important. But the other thing I think I really wanted to highlight was they showed a bit of fight. And what you want as a minimum requirement from your football team is that they do just that. And they did. So there we go. Uh, the title of tonight's show, of course, is, you'll be delighted to know, Chili Con Carne. Chelsea <laughs> fancast number 926. But the carne is corne, isn't it? C-O-R-N-E-T. I said corne. Chili Con Carne. But, no, but it sounded like carne, though. It sounded like carne. Your your pronunciation was immaculate, so it was a bit carne as rather than corne. Well, okay, I'm going to do that again. Take two, because Jonathan yeah. is a professional, and this is he's getting all whatever <laughs> he is about it. Uh, the title of tonight's show is, of course, Chili con Corne, Chelsea Fancast 926. Yes, good. Yes, good indeed. Jonathan Kidd, how the devil are you? 
Uh, devilish, thank you. I played cricket at the weekend and have uh, impaired myself in a whole series of ways that uh, um, I should have really predicted would happen. But um, apart from that, I've um, um, I've had a good time. Thank you very much. I good. enjoyed playing cricket. And, good, uh, good. Took my daughter to the uh, to the game, who was um, evilly predicting that they would beat us, and I'm I'm slightly worried about this negative approach to watching Chelsea. But to be fair to her, though. I did take it to both cup finals and we lost them both. So perhaps I've I've impregnated a kind of pessimism. But um, she was very pleased that we won. Very pleased in the end. So uh, good on her. It's very good fun taking your your 13 year old because she's just she's interested at the same time, um, keen to tell her friends that she's watching. So it sends them texts that, you know, look where I am. Look what she I'm doing. very, very excited about being able to sit near Mason Mount for such a large portion yeah. of the uh, hey, afternoon. Um, um, she wasn't actually completely aware that Mace was down below her because I think she would have gone completely mad. However, she's now got it into her head that she wants to be a mascot. And I said, I don't think you can do that, I think, because she'd then meet him. She could, you know grab him by the hand permanently for all of the time that she goes out to the uh, onto the pitch. I think she's too old to be a mascot. I said I'd look that up for her. She may well oh. be. Jonathan, who have we got on the show tonight as if we didn't already know? Not telling. No, I'm not telling either. Let's no. pretend that... The... Um, go on. Oh, all right, all go right. On. Here's some clues. Girl. Yeah. That's all I'm telling. No, no, no. Ball, balls. Uh, uh, wit. Yes. Raconteur. Yes. Historian. Yes. Uh, love, terrific writer. Uh, sweet girl. Sweet woman. Oh, tour guide now. Let's right. flog tour, that while we're at it. Tour guide. Yeah, tour guide. Open for tours. Needs the money, like us all. Um, and uh, terrific fun to take to football. So, uh, um, yeah, that's enough, I think. It's, of course, Alex Churchill. <laughs> lovely, lovely, lovely. Alex, how are you? Uh, I am better than I was um, at half time on Saturday. <laughs> right. Well, well, okay. Why is that then? Just because it was so bad. Okay. It was so you depressing. Didn't enjoy it. You no. didn't enjoy it. It yes. was better. It was better because we hadn't given any goals away and we were all flicking right. the ball about, you know? All right. We're going to get into all of that. Uh, in part all one right. on the show tonight, uh, we're going to talk about all sorts of things. Uh, fear, stifling creativity in the first half. Tommy Tuchel still got it with the super subs. Chile being man of the match. Uh, Broja's impact. Mendy. Lots of discussion about Mendy, Fafana and Gallagher. And in part two, we talk more about uh, Tuchel's system. I was intrigued by the fact that he was playing 3-1-4-2. Uh, and uh, I actually think... There's uh, there's some mileage in that. So there you go. J5, what do we think about his future? Uh, and uh, Pulisic, Zayic, Kante, usual kind of stuff, really. Um, and uh, there we go. And we'll round that up by uh, talking about the fact that it was, in fact, a win. And that's what it's all about. And uh, part three, we've got uh, five stupendous emails to read out. And then in part four, we have got the Dinamo Zagreb versus Chelsea match to preview. And I, for one, am looking after that. Looking forward to that even. Anyway, right, as ever, don't forget you can listen to the show live. Live! Every Monday at 7pm by going to mixler.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast, where, of course, you can join in all the chat with our chums who are in the house. Loads of them there. Pierre's in there. Ash, Brian... Uh, Bob, James, 
lots and lots of people, most of whom Steve Mower. There we go. They're all here. Um, most of the Eric Morabito, Daryl's there. Most of these guys are also in our Discord group, which is uh, as much fun as being in the Mixler chat room when you're listening to Fancast, the Chelsea Fancast, without actually having to listen to the Chelsea Fancast, which must be an improved experience for everybody. Uh, and if all you have to do to, to join the Discord group is uh, to be a Patreon subscriber, and I will tell you how to do that later in the show, but it's all very simple. Right, after a very small, uh, I don't know, maybe 30 seconds, I don't know, we'll be back to talk about the football. Right, so, yeah, Chelsea West Ham, um, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the first thing that struck me, JK, <clears throat> you know, was the team selection, which, you know, I got massively wrong. Um, but I was very, I was intrigued. I mean, I was intrigued more by the fact he was playing three one four two. but that, for me, meant that it allowed him to, it really kind of, it was almost like, he, you know, he had heard what we were, were talking about on Friday <laughs> and had responded like, chid, 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 fuck off. I know what I'm doing, okay? This is what I do. And I thought, well, fair play, because it allows the wing-backs to play and it allows you to have three in midfield, effectively. Um, you know, Kovacic and Gallagher, Gallagher slightly advanced, cheek holding, which isn't a bad thing. Uh, Mount, J5, Havertz all drop. Most people were screaming from the rooftops for that one. I think on form it was hard to disagree. Uh, and I like the fact that Gallagher was used to kind of try and press Rice, who is a, is a very good player, as we know. And uh, Sterling and Pulisic up front um, not wouldn't be, wouldn't necessarily have been my choice. Um, but it, you know, Tuchel said in his press that they wanted to sm- play small forwards up front. I'm presuming because West Ham have got big cart horse type defenders, so maybe there was some. Oh, was that the theory? I, well, I don't know. He didn't say that, but I'm but presuming he said small it was. forwards. He mentioned yeah. that though, didn't he? Um, yeah, he did in the presser. He said he wanted to play some more forwards. But, of course, it was the big forwards we'll get into later that made the difference. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I was really intrigued by that because I got the selection completely wrong. Fafana started, which was good. But it was it was OK. Um, the trouble was, JK, that nothing really happened in the first half. I mean, it was all I possession. I don't think we had a single shot on no, target. Well, nor did we West Ham. It was all... We had, a, we had a Kovacic drive, which took me by surprise because it was Kovacic. Um I mean, having said that, they were so devoid of uh, any kind of um, um, desire to do anything other than, I felt, draw it from the very beginning. I mean, time wasting from the very beginning is just, you know, you've set your stall out, to use an old cliche. You know exactly where they're coming from. They're, uh, they're, they're, they, they defended and wanted to try and get us on the break. Well, one of the things that Tuchel appears to be very good at is stifling them stifling teams from breaking out if that's their approach but it meant for a very negative style of football but however it did mean that we passed the ball well um but once again not quickly enough and once again uh without any end product but i i weirdly I, it made me content that that we appeared to have um, 
Well, we, stifled we, the, we were uh, in control, albeit yeah, we were dominating. Albeit, we, we start, yeah. The, yeah, the but, very fact that we it wasn't it wasn't Saints and it wasn't Leeds again. No, which you're not going to get with. But West I think Ham, you could argue that felt, West Ham had actually ceded control. That's I mean, you know, yeah, no, that's the difference. Yeah. That's the difference. Yeah, they weren't um, they weren't aspiring to actually create anything at all. They had the odd corner. They had the odd moment, but we stifled it pretty well. Um, Thiago once again being peerless. Um, but it, it really helps having Reese at, uh, uh, at wing back because he he's such a danger and such a class act, other than his bizarre header back at the very end of the game. Um, but no, I, I I was intrigued that we were worried, everybody around me, um, particularly the, the worst pessimists just hating it, including this bloke has appeared, sits near to me, who I keep referring to in the fan bite, who just um, is just so tedious and so inept at assessing actually what's going on on the pitch but he was um he was actually uh, I, I didn't mention this in the fan but he he started a, a, a attempted to start a tuchel out pochettino in chant which was absolutely bizarre but he tried to do it and this is in aussies as well you don't do that it had got slapped if he was in the matthew harding upper oh completely absolutely utterly but where there's a we were all seething but thinking uh, Stuart's got to deal with this. What do we do? And in fact, uh, the guy behind me said, "Excuse me, mate, you're a guest in here. Can you just be quiet?" Clearly, please? a Spurs fan. And well, clearly a, a man with allegiance to to teams in white shirts. But um, but there was a, it was. I think what it is is that people are uh, are almost demanding. Um, but uh, it, the the, the spectre of the Champions League win and the fact we played some terrific football last year means that people are very impatient and they want the team to somehow instantly be um, a class above the way we're playing at the moment. And it's not going to happen like that. Well, we have to have we have to have some patience. Jonathan. So I was, happy, I was happy that the first half, at least we didn't concede and we and we were in control of the game. It was yeah. a question of seeing what is the second half going to give us? And the second half was a was a, well, a, a variety of adventure, wasn't it? Well, Jonathan, not everything in life can make up for the size of your dick. Well, actually, the size of my dick has actually got in the way of many things. I wasn't necessarily talking to you, but I was referring to your point about people being demanding success. You know, I know, but it somehow got very personal. Only because you took it personally. No, I did deliberately. I wanted to. I wanted all but, to. Uh, you know, but it's an, it's entitlement, isn't it? And this is this has been the case with football forever. You know, mm. I don't I don't think this is a new phenomenon. You know, we have this is the whole point. This is why football was invented as a game is to take people away from their drudgery of their horrible mundane lives to give them joy or on a Saturday or catharsis on a Saturday or to enable them to shout and scream obscenities for 90 minutes because they can't do it you know at home or have a fight or whatever it's always fulfilled that role so you're never going to take that away you know you're just not Alex I'm gonna I'm gonna read you this from Sir Thomas of Tuchel um, about uh, about what he thought about West Ham, which goes back to the point that we were saying earlier, and it kind of feeds into the point I want to talk about, Alex, which is fear stifling creativity. But um, he said they make you underperform, they make the game slow, and they make it difficult to accelerate the game to find the open spaces. If you find the open spaces, it's only for a short moment or in spaces that can be dangerous. 
Um, and I think the really telling thing is, I'll just read this little snippet here, because uh, he was talking about what happened when we scored the goal. He said, to turn this thing around, maybe we needed to be a goal down and have nothing to lose anymore. Now, I thought that that was very telling because I, I, you know, we've said it on the show quite a lot. The whole ponderousness of their play, much as we would love to blame it all on Jorginho, clearly can't be blamed solely on Jorginho, given he wasn't actually playing. And yet they still played in a very laboured, ponderous way. And I think it, it's correct. It is to do with West Ham's turgid tactics. But also, I just think there's this fear, Alex, that they're you know, scared of being bollocked by Tuchel for giving the ball away, which inevitably leads to a counter-attack and a goal. So they're thinking about what they're having to do rather than doing it naturally. What say you? I say that that is possibly, from Tuchel, the nicest way of saying they're a bunch of time-wasting evil bastards and David Moyes is a prick that I've ever heard. Um, Because that would have been my uh, summation of the game. Uh, Just There are certain games when it doesn't matter how good you are and how much talent you have. You just have to slog your way through it. And they are always one of those games, always West Ham. Um, do I think they're scared? Now, I think they're nervy. I think arguably though, this season, do you feel like it's more acceptable to be dropping points because everyone's doing it? Like I know we've dropped points and I know we needed to get three points on the board after Southampton, but everybody is pissing points away this season. It just feels like it's not the utter disaster it would be if everybody else had their shit together. Yeah, I agree. Completely. Yeah, yeah. Does I that make any sense? I think it's because just the... No, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's because the other teams have got better. Actually, I think other teams. Are... I think that there'll come a there'll come a time where um, uh, there is a kind of appalling leveling out that we'll have well it'll probably it'll make the whole thing much more competitive and sky will be rubbing their hands with glee because there won't be anybody running away with it and you won't know who is going to going to be the team that um that that is, gets in the top six it'll be interchangeable i it just think the, the coaching be. has got better i think people are becoming more under more um they comprehend what they're supposed to be doing coaching wise and they're getting players the very fact that brighton is such a, a terrific side when there are no stars in, in the team at all. And he's clearly an absolutely terrific manager. Well, it um, just feel, it feels as well like there seems to be a, a big player market right now. And there seems to be a lot of players floating around that teams have got their hands on that they wouldn't ordinarily have got. Like Ericsson, obviously not playing at the level he probably could be because he had his heart problem or you've got Ronaldo just winding down now and sort of, I know he didn't want to stay at United, but like you, you wouldn't have four, four years ago, Ronaldo wouldn't have come back to the Premier League to play for Man United. Never. So it just, it just seems to me that there's, there are, they're being creative about how to get hold of talent as well, whether it be um, grabbing it before they retire or taking a chance on somebody like Ericsson, who's been ill um, and there seem to be a lot of players where, like Coutinho, where you go, he plays with Villa, what? Yeah. What? But you know what, Alex, there's been a whole levelling up, hasn't there, if you think about it. There's more, I mean, City, well, you would normally say City and Liverpool are way ahead of everybody else, but Liverpool have had a start as atrocious, as, as appalling as our start. It's their worst start under Klopp, in fact. Um, so you've got City above everybody else, as it always seems to have been recently. But you've got, you know, Liverpool, United, us, Spurs, Tottenham, before you think about anybody else competing for the other three places. And I wouldn't discount Newcastle yet. 
And Brighton, I mean, Potter's clearly a superb manager. And there'll be somebody else, like, you know, the traditional kind of Leicester role, somebody bubbling under. But I don't think you've had that kind of competitiveness from two down to, say, eight for years. And I think you're right, Jonathan. I think there is... It's more. It's getting more competitive all the time, and I think that's because the mid-range clubs are all leveling up. I mean, even players, uh, even teams like Palace, can beat anybody on their day, and a pretty decent team. It's, it makes it interesting. Um, listen, let's talk about uh, what changed the game really, because um, is un- undoubtedly it was the subs. I mean, as as John Jonathan said, these fantastic fan bite. Uh, you know, um. Mount uh, came on and Mount and Brozier came on, didn't they? Together, um, just looking at my notes. Mount came on for Ga- Mountain came on for Gallagher. Brozier came on for Pulisic. I have to say, I was taken to task by somebody saying that I my specs needed. A oh well, that's because there. I mean, you know, look, mate. If you if you say anything about J five on Twitter, you get ha- hammered for it. If you say anything about uh, Pulisic, you get hammered for it because these people are not Chelsea fans. They're player, they're player love they're boys. Completely, completely. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm not wrong. He was, he was. Yeah. Let, let's not talk about Pulisic. Well, actually, no, because he's just been taken off. Let's. You see, I don't think he was too bad. Actually, I mean, I, I, you know, I think in the in the scheme of things, um, he suffered from what everybody suffered from, which was West Ham basically parking the bus. There was no way through. But I thought his movement was all right. He was passing the ball around. He was looking quite hungry. I, I still be... think I still think it, it 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 you know Pulisic was a victim of Tuchel playing two small guys up front, which I don't think was right. Which in fact was rectified by bringing on Brozier and then Havertz when they yeah. looked fucking. But, but nonetheless, I still think he's still not good enough. You, he's still not playing well enough. You have players up front. He's had the opportunity to play in his proper position. Not playing wing back. He's not playing behind. Not playing midfield he's, he's actually forward in his p- proper position and the number of times he came back to get the ball into the midfield you thought no don't yeah, why, do that. why was that doing? because he, they weren't passing it up to so him. They were, he was he wasn't getting it but at the same time though when he had an opportunity get to the byline feeble cross terrible cross did that on several occasions i'm sorry i just didn't it didn't work for me and then bizarrely of course he brings broger on who um is it's 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 all new for us we don't know what he's going to play like um, and it's new for him, and uh, and he must have been buoyed subsequently by s- signing the six-year contract. But it was actually really interesting having a focal point, and it just makes me wonder. Um, uh, we seem to have forgotten the fact that we had Giroud a few years ago, who's banging him in for Milan, or even Abraham, who didn't work for for Tuca, but nonetheless, wa- nonetheless, wasn't the false nine, and. Uh, Broger wasn't a false nine. He was absolutely up there. And his energy and speed and um, it's just ability to to get in on it, to actually put his foot in was um, was a joy to behold, actually. But I all felt I felt that all of them came on with great energy. Mount came on with an energy that we haven't seen um, previously when he was playing in the three up there. And then when Havertz came on, similarly, very, very um, energized by the whole thing. And uh, and it, it, it they looked at an absolutely different kettle of fish. And of course, the the main the main sub who, who turned it all around was Chilwell, who was completely brilliant for his brief cameo. Absolutely brilliant performance. And and I think an, I think you know an honourable mention has to go to Havertz. And how 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 many times have we said he needs to? No, I, I just I mentioned partner, it just then. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I thought he was really good. But you're right. I think Mount Mount brought a lot of zip to it. I think the interesting thing, Alex. Again, something we've mentioned a lot. I mean, this goes back to my three-one-four-two idea, but 
you know, you basically, he, he comes on for Gallagher. So Mount's basically playing in midfield, but at the top of the midfield, uh, obviously Brozier comes on for Pulisic. But I mean, later on in the game, um, when Havertz comes on, Sterling, you, you basically had a midfield of of, um, of uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek at the base and you had Mount and Sterling and you had Havertz and Brozier up front. And I thought, that, again, it was interesting seeing Sterling come from deep because he got more space. You know, oh, yeah, you definitely noticed the upturn in Sterling um, after that happened. I'd just say that uh, Pulisic wasn't as disappointing as I anticipated him being, which I'm not sure is a compliment, <laughs> uh, but that's about as nice as I'm going to be. Uh, Chilwell, I just could have licked him. It was Chilwell before he got injured. He it was, he was lickable, it, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was brilliant. Um, I just think it's going to be really interesting trying to keep both him and Cucurella. Well, happy. Who, who do you who do you think should start from now on then? Uh, well, I think I think luckily because you are going to have to keep them both happy, and they're both good. What well, they're both too good to sit on the bench. But like this week, we've got two games, um, so I don't think it's a problem. I ch- start Chilwell finished great the other day maybe start him against I'm not sure Dark. he will I still don't think he thinks he's fit yeah I think one of them will start midweek one of them will start against Fulham um it is Fulham isn't it yeah yeah uh <laughs> this is out on the ball I am uh honestly I I just am really pleased that we've got the option there um my only worry would be one of them getting pissed off about being benched too much but I think the games are going to be squished in so much anyway I don't think it's going to be a problem this season because this stupid fucking world cup thing um if I if there's any Chelsea player that should be bricking it right now about getting left out I would say it's Mendy well, well, hold off on Mendy for a sec. This is this is what Tuchel said about uh, Chilwell. I, I agree with Jonathan. I don't think he's, I don't think he's sold on him quite yet. He says, in my opinion, he lacks rhythm and a bit of feeling from the game. This is what I see in training. The player always thinks he is ready, and I think there are some things still missing. So there you go. And yet the uh, the goal was great. Oh, it's a world class goal, J.K. Absolutely, world class finish. It, they were, it was the, I, mean, I didn't realise till the replay happened that he had his back to it yeah, and yeah. he literally did a 180 turn. It's like Mark it? Hughes against um, Vicenza. Vicenza. And a bit like Frank Lampard scored against Barcelona. Against, Remember against, that goal yeah. in the 4-2? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it was a tribute to Alonso myself. <laughs> he got that far into the penalty area. Well, he just did something brilliant and that's what Alonso, yeah. bless his little yeah, heart, would quite often do. Yeah. So no, there you go. Well done, well done, the chilly man. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's talk about um the West Ham goals. Um, Jesus. I mean, the first one. I, I just thought, you know, I thought Mendy was at fault because I thought, mate, ma- foul, hang on, hang on. I know that. Just hang on. I'm getting there. All right. Um, he should have punched it harder or tipped tipped it over the bar. That's what we all we all thought. I mean, I only saw today. Uh, somebody posted it on Twitter footage of uh west ham's number 24 who i'm trying to remember who it was now uh well i'm sure it said 20 yeah kera kera tugged his shirt he was pulling at his shirt so basically pulled him down which meant he couldn't punch the ball out very far because if you think about it if you're being pulled away from something how are you supposed to get any energy into it and then of course rice pings it back in for antonio by which time Mendy's sat on his ass so Tuchel mentioned this, although he wouldn't go into details because, of course, he doesn't want to get fine again. But he was absolutely right. Bob on. That was a foul. Shouldn't have been a fucking goal. It's interesting that VAR is nowhere to be seen. Nowhere. 
nowhere. And yet there's an obvious when I when I saw him tumble, I actually thought that this was live. I thought he's been pushed into the net by the West Ham player. Little did I know his shirt was being tugged. Have they ever watched any football? These these people making these assessments in in Stockwell Park. What are they, do they only watch one incident? What what's going on? They have you know six of them. What what are they? What, do you, do you want to know what's going on? The tech is watching twenty eight cameras and yeah. they pick three or four, I think it is, angles in like a very short space of time to show to the VAR referee, who then makes the decision from it. Right. Um, that that's how it happens. So actually, it's the tech making the call because if you're and and there's so they're technically not supposed to do their own club. But don't tell me that a Liverpool fan working in Stockley Park as a tech isn't going to try and diddle City out of points if they get the chance. Just because yeah, they're not working on a Liverpool game doesn't mean that they can't have an impact on it. Yeah. So you pick you pick any four camera angles. Uh, four camera man- angles might make something look like a Stonewall penalty and four might make you look absolutely innocent. Uh, but nonetheless, they, they get like, what is that, 15% of the footage to make the decision from? Um, and my, still my biggest bugbear with this piece of shit is that we sat at Stockley Park for this briefing session and they said at all times the fans in the ground will know exactly what's happening. Uh, and I have a home season ticket and an away season ticket. And that's a fucking lie. Mm, interesting yeah. stuff. It, it's, they, but weirdly, somehow maintaining the mystery makes them all powerful, doesn't it? That's the trouble. If they were to share anything that went on, they we'd be up in arms. We'd see how badly they're doing it or how they're cutting corners. Because- they let us play with it. They let us do a decision. So I sat with the tech uh, and we watched a, a live incident. And he said, right, so now you pick four camera angles. And I'm taking the piss. I'm sitting there and I'm like, yeah, well, I don't like this player. So that one made it look really horrible. Send that one through to the VARF and send that one through as well. And like, there was another one that kind of made it clear uh, that that someone's foot had gone in first or something like that. I was like, no, no, don't send him that one. Uh, So it's great. It's great fun. Uh, It's slightly terrifying that this is now how football decisions get made. Well, sometimes they get made like that because other times they shit their pants and ignore VAR or say like that referee did this weekend. No, thanks. I'm all right with my decision. Screw it. I don't want to have a look. Yeah, Which Michael means Oliver, it's even yeah, more yeah, erratic yeah. and inconsistent than it ever has been. Um, and I hate it. Well, it's the people the, the behind Dyke, it. As always, the, it's the people behind it, isn't it? The Van Dyke foul was, was a... Oh, a, it's red card, mate. Red card. All day long. Yeah, all day long. Yeah. Although, can I just say yeah. two things? One of them, I'll save because it's Conor Gallagher. And the other one is that I love that we can get battered by VAR controversy and shit week in, week out. And then the second we benefit from it, like the whole football in world well, is like a bitch baby. And I wonder why agenda. I wonder why that is. I mean it's interesting. Well let's talk about that one because get uh, on to that. can I just just, just yeah. say a second the the um so they missed the VAR on the on the first goal, which they should have they should have taken because it was pretty obvious. Um uh as we we're now getting on to the and I just want to say that because we're ignoring Havertz's goal. Havertz Havertz took the goal wonderfully, by the way. The the volley, brilliant, quite brilliant from from Chilwell's cross. And uh, you know, we, we're suddenly then into the madness of of um, of the weird decision making of uh, Reese, who just seemed to think somehow that heading the ball. Well, back no, into... it didn't. It didn't start with Reese, mate. Mount kicked right, it up yeah. in the air. That's true. That's true. And and yeah. you're right. It was a terrible header by Reese. It was a very poor poor uh, attempt of a clearance. I don't know what he was doing by Mount. 
but nevertheless anyway so you know i i watched it at the time um as in on the telly because i wasn't there live as we all know but you know watching it on the telly my feeling was there's no way that was a foul i mean you know it, it looked like he'd left his left foot in a bit but i thought nah there's, there's nothing in that you know there's nothing in that um and uh but today i'm i'm changing well i mean you know i, I did think that but I, I there's a part of me that also thought this which is that you know by the the the, the letter of the law um you know even though i don't think there was much in it you know you can say that putting your foot onto the goalkeeper is the right decision and then today it was really interesting. I just happened to be listening to Talk Sport this morning, and Graham Souness was on. And Graham Souness was not having it at all. He said, "No, there, he said that's a foul on the keeper all day long." And I saw also saw pictures which substantiated what Souness kept on saying. And he kept on arguing with Simon Jordan and Jim White, who weren't having it, saying, "No, no, 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 no." Uh, Bowen showed six studs to the keeper, basically. So he almost kind of stamped on him as he was going over, and he said, "That's he did reckless." Stamp on him. Yeah, he, he said he, he stepped on his shoulder. Yeah, from my angle, live with his right foot, stepped, with his right foot, with his right foot, and followed up with the left. The yeah. only image we got head on, on particular match of the day, was the left foot. But he, you, you should have jumped over the goalkeeper, and he didn't, Bowen. He act, and they, but they did that thing of saying he's not that sort of player, and you go, what, what? Sort of irrelevant, isn't it? Really, if, the, oh, if you're, he you're loves forward, his man. he can yeah, stamp on the goalkeeper. Yeah, it's yeah, fine. Yeah. He's such a sweet man; he wouldn't do that. The images of him stepping on him—he stepped on him. He could easily have jumped out of the way. He didn't. He stepped on him. It was a foul all day long, all day long. Two stepped on him, and then then with his left foot stepped on him. It's a no, foul. No, he, he, he just tra- trailing leg, left leg. Trailing, all right, trailing leg then. But he stepped. But on I, I think, I think Bowen was trying to go for the penalty, but got it completely wrong. Yes, yeah, good point actually. Yeah, because you know that's what they do. They leave their yeah. foot in so that it looks like the goalkeeper's fouled them. And yeah. I think, and he also stumbled before he got to Mendy, so he was kind of off balance. I don't, I don't think he went in to hurt Mendy. I really don't, because you know what, he's not that sort of player. But oh, it was not. definitely a foul. It was, if you think yeah. about it with, with calmer heads, it's definitely a foul. What is interesting, so well done VAR, fuck off West Ham. I mean, you know, we, we, we've, we've coated them off for not spotting the foul on Mendy for the first goal, well, but no applaud them for this one. How much they cheated either. They were time-wasting from the second fucking minute. It was atrocious. Flappy Hansky was taking a minute to take a goal kick. Oh, I know. And Antonio, Antonio was pushing people over oh, all match. Bag. And what's brilliant is that he's built like a brick shit house, and yet he goes down like a little girl. It's pathetic. He needs to grow a pair. It's embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, it was. He should have been off. Uh, for that, because uh, he had already had a yellow, and then he he oh, basically rug- he, he rug- well, he is that kind of player, but he rugby tackled Silver. He should have yeah, been. Yeah, I mean off. the fact that Silver's skull bounced kind of tells you the intent behind the challenge in the first place, right? He bounced. Yeah. He's not a small guy. No, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Now uh, going back to Mendy, um, I think if one you know, has that benefit of analysing the actual facts that he was A, fouled for the first goal and B, fouled for the second goal. It might put into perspective some of the crazy criticism that's going on. Every, I mean, everybody was like afterwards, oh, yeah, yeah, we got away with one. That was definitely a foul. I, sorry, it was definitely uh, definitely uh, not a foul. 
and Mendy's rubbish and Kepper should come in. That that was the tone of the Twitter that I was, uh, and and Discord even on on Saturday evening. But while I was watching the match, weirdly, um, now this is what this is what Mendy says about uh, about sorry. This is what Tuchel says about Mendy. He was in a lot of pain, and we have to see. It's too early to comment on that. I think at the moment he's a bit unlucky in what he's doing in training. He's fantastic. And he is, in general, a very calm and self-reflective guy who is aware that he lacks a bit of, little bit of luck at the moment. Things do not go in his favour. If he has maybe a situation where his action isn't 100% clear, he gets punished for it massively. He's just in this moment, and it feels like it's not so much his fault. I have the feeling because he tries everything, he is very calm and focused, we will keep on supporting him. There was also something else later on, I think, um, about... Uh, had a check of course and the relationship he had with check who of course scouted him to chelsea and i think as a former legend at chelsea and a goalkeeper they had quite a bond but i mean you know i, I mean what do you think jonathan tuchel's um, behind him there's an interesting stat isn't there i think um liam wrote a very good article on the athletic about it um which is that uh we're having more sh- the opposition are having more shots against us so um he's not actually uh um He's actually having to deal with more shots on goal than than ever before. And in last year, um, I think we only had conceded from four corners. And this year, we've already conceded from that number. And uh, so something's going wrong with the set pieces, as we know. Um, and they were looking at the the pattern of where the players were. And one of the one of the problems is Koulibaly, who apparently keeps not being involved and also not having. Um, Lukaku, despite being the bag of cement, headed the ball clear quite a lot. And because Havertz, was, Havertz yeah. wasn't playing from the beginning, you had um, once the smaller players having to deal with the corners. But I think this, it, this, I don't think Koulibaly is working yet in that setup. He's taking, I feel he's, like he's taking a. He do you not think he was spectacular, J.K. When we watched Spurs, yeah, um, wonderful, absolutely half. wonderful. That yeah. is what he can yeah. do. But yeah. I feel yeah. like acclimatising to the Premier yeah. League is. The- it's almost a bit too much, but also just standing about, they showed some patterns of, of play when um, I think when Bowen had the shot, had the volley when the ball was punched out by Mandy and everybody was very static and particularly Koulibaly, he didn't seem to attempt to close anybody well, down. New def- so, this is the thing, isn't it? You know, we, we said last week, didn't we, that, uh, um, you know, Mendy hasn't got any confidence in what's in front of him and the bonds yeah. in front of him don't have any confidence in Mendy. But I think you could loosely summarise that is that this is a, effectively a new defence coming together. So, you know, we know that that takes time. And I think this is this is possibly why Tuchel, I mean, he may change it tomorrow, but he might not because I think he's he's very aware that you've got to play these guys together to get any rhythm. He's done it up front. So I think particularly with Fofana, I think Fofana is, is big and I think he's very, that's one of the reasons they've got him as well as being a very decent ball player. And, and, and really and good, really good, I thought. Really good, I thought, yes, on Saturday, speed. don't you? Yeah, yeah, he, he, had, he, yeah, he was low-key, but I think he had a... a he, he, he that, that, a, that tackle he and, made on Bowen, yeah, fantastic yeah, in the front. Absolutely, yeah. when he got the ball back. I agree. Yeah. But he had an er- errorless um, uh, debut, I thought. But he's he's been specifically chosen to deal with with the because because he, he's bigger. It, you know, there's a height thing about it. But no, so I don't think we can blame Mandy as much as we are just because of the uh, the large number of um, shots that the, the club is having to deal. But why with. Are we, the, why the are we, why are we, why are we, why are we having so many shots against us? Do you think? Um, because we're not we're not closing them down in the midfield. Mm, I think, and why is that? Uh, because we're not very good in midfield. Well, I think it's the weak point. I really do. Uh, yeah. Talking of which, um, 
as I said, I, I I'm actually quite a fan of this. I've been saying for yonks that you need you need you know more than two people in midfield basically. Um, and uh, we don't really have a defensive midfielder to speak of, which I think is a problem. And you know Tuchel insists on playing wing backs. But I thought what was interesting yesterday was that combination of Cheek, Kovacic, and Gallagher. Uh, now, my own feeling on Gallagher was that I don't think he did too badly at all. I mean, they all they all suffered with the ball, as uh, Conte used to say, against West Ham, because that's what West Ham kind of you know inflict upon you. But I don't think he did badly. I I think I think it's going to take him some time. I think it's going to take him some time to get used to playing. At, not not at this level, because of course he was fantastic for Palace last it's, year. It's a different system, but it's a different system, different players. You know, and and I think I think he's also so keen to do well. I mean, can you imagine it? Um, I'm going to ask Alex this first because I know she had a hand up. But can you imagine it if if any of us, you know, played for Chelsea? You know, we would be just so desperate to do well because he he loves the club. So I think it's just a little bit of patience is required. And I mean, J.K. and I know this only too well, as does Alex. Frank Lampard, I think, you know, took a good six months really of that first season. He was with us to kind of bed in. You know, it was not being played in necessarily his right position. It took time to work that out. You know, Ranieri had him stuck on the right. So I think, or had him all over the place, as I remember. But uh, I think I think Gallagher did all right. You know, he wasn't spectacular, but he did all right. And I think he did a fairly good job on Rice in the first half. And I think that was part of the reason why, why he played. But the other thing you get with Gallagher, because he's box to box, is somebody who can hair back and, uh, and, and make a last-ditch tackle. And he actually, I remember that he took a corner... And by the way, I thought his corners were good. None of his corners hit the first man. All of Cucurella's did. Oh, no, there was one Gallagher corner that one. made me punch him down yep. at the shed. OK, he did one oh. that was Can bad. Can I ask a genuine question? Did okay. he get booked every time he tried to tackle someone when he was wearing a Palace shirt? Or is oh, God, a- no. You know it's all to do with Chelsea. You know we always get more players booked and all the rest of it. It's, it's you know, just... It's- it was literally the first the first tackle with anything on it in the entire game. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just typical. But uh, that's what... I mean, anyway, he took this corner uh, and it got cleared, I think. And he was the one that made the tackle about five yards outside of our penalty area. So he haired all the way back and made the crucial tackle. That's what you get from Gallagher. He is a box-to-box midfielder. What he's best at is being able to track back with all that energy and get his foot stuck in because he's, you know, he, he's not scared of that. And then he's good at getting in the other penalty area in space at the right time to get on the end of things. When you play him in a role that enables him to do that, you will see the best of him, I think. But uh, I was I was okay with him, JK. Yeah. I, I still think I, he isn't he isn't playing as well as he played at Palace. Um, no. But uh, it's a, it was a different system at Palace. There's also no pressure at Palace either. No, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. He's also playing... It's, it's, a, it's a bit of a class above. You know, they're, he's, they're all better players at Chelsea. Well, yeah. nearly all of them. Yeah, yeah, I think it was a, a bigger fish in a much smaller pond at Palace. Yeah, it was. Right, we're going to have a quick break, and then when we come back, uh, we're going to talk more about uh, the game, obviously a little bit more on the system, really, because I am quite interested in that. Uh, talk a little bit about J5 uh, as well, and, uh, and uh, yeah, we'll just... Uh, We'll do that, I think. But before before we go to a break, it's time for me to remind you that there is a new copy of the wonderful CFC UK now available. Um, I got mine in the post, actually. I think it was yesterday. Anyway, uh, if you want to get a copy, very easy. If you go to the matches, you just go to Fulham Broadway to the stall, the CFC UK stall. 
Uh, great place to hang out, meet uh, people like Marco and Dave and loads of people you may or may not know kind of congregate there on a match day or hear the cry it's only a pound hurry up which uh, you'll get from all the sellers in the fulham road uh, as you go up towards the stadium if you can't get to the match then you can still get it you can get hard copy by emailing fanzine at cfcuk.net and subscribing which means you get it sent in the post Uh, and it's 18 quid to get a year subscription in the uk 40 quid in europe 56 for the rest of the world uh, you can also get it digitally, so you get it emailed to you as a PDF. That'll cost you six quid or a pound, six quid for a year or a pound each. And you can do all of this by paying via PayPal. Great stuff. We'll be back in a second. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast and I am Stamford Chidge and I am joined by Jonathan Kidd. Hello. And the lovely Alex Churchill. Hello. So there we go. Now, part two, part two, part two. Yeah, let's get back to this uh, this system thing. I mean, you know, we, we we talked about it last week. We were racking our brains as to how we can fit all of these midfielders in. And and I, I, I have a feeling that Tuchel might have found the right system, but not quite found the right personnel yet. Um, I mean, I, I would be happy. I would be happy to see Cheek or Kovacic, possibly Kante, in the the DM role. Um, and I would be happy to see Mount or Gallagher or even Sterling, um, you know, as in this attacking midfield role, uh, you know, because I think, I think it works better having those people in midfield. And I think, you know, the advantage, if you, I thought what we saw, you know, when we had the two big guys up front, because I think it's predicated on that. If you're two are Obama Yang or Habits or Obama Yang and Brozier, I, I think that that works better than having Sterling up there because I think it, he benefits from coming from deep and playing into, you know, finding those spaces where he can operate. He can do that. They can't pick him up so easily. And, you know, I think he can operate a little bit more like a creative midfielder, the kind of player we don't have, the kind of player who can thread a pass. And you saw him doing a bit of that during the game. He put a cross in, I thought, that was absolutely lovely, which did nearly lead to a goal. I would. I think you know the the thing is. I also you know you know last week, J.K. I did my who's going to bugger off out of the squad then. Yeah, you remember that my little my little table with all the players that we had and we saw the off. I've now updated it right, and this is what we've got. And it's very interesting reading because I hadn't actually figured this out. But you've got Mendy, Kepper, and Bettinelli as your goalkeepers. You've got Silver. Chalaba, Koulibaly and Fafana as your central defenders, nominally, right? Full-backs, wing-backs, Chilwell, James, Aspie, Cucurella. Our defensively-minded midfielders, rather than, than a, you know, a, a proper DM. Jorginho, Kante, arguably Kovacic, Chukawomeka and Zakaria. Wingers, Pulisic, Zayic, Sterling. Uh, attacking midfielders, Mount, Havertz, Cheek, Gallagher. Strikers, proper strikers, Brozier, Aubameyang. Now, what is really interesting about that is that Koulibaly and Fafana have replaced Rudiger and Christensen. Cucurella has replaced Alonso. 
Chukwuemeka and Zakaria have arguably replaced Ampadu and Gilmore. Sterling has replaced Hudson Odoi. Gallagher has replaced Barkley. And Brozier and Aubameyang have replaced Werner and Lukaku. So basically, we've just tried to get people out and bring people in to replace them, hopefully, who are better. And I think if you look down that list, I don't think we're a million miles away there. What do you think? Um, Alex, do you want to say something? You've got your. I was just going to say that I think had all of this been concluded a month ago, I would have been skipping round all summer going, watch out, bitches. Uh, it's just the fact that it's now going to take, what, minimum of a month to, for them to get to know each other and start playing the way he wants them to play and for him to start realising who works and who doesn't and who his first 11 is. But, but that was down to the fact they didn't have any transfer policy at all wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. and that was but, down to the fact that they had bloody sanctions yeah it screwed yeah. everything up but but Chidge, i think you're, you're jumping the gun slightly because i think we need to see how Yang plays because if Yang plays terrifically on his own then uh, uh it, it it might change the structure completely if he plays well with broger then it will change the structure completely i agree with you completely if sterling has allowed more room as he had when they when broger came on with Havertz. Um, it, it creates a completely different dynamic, and I thought it was great um, because he. I, I have to say, I think Sterling is terrific. Sterling is a terrific player, and uh, um, uh, and that's been a great signing. And he, in his potential, is enormous. But it's just a question of working out where his be- not best position. It's it's if he's got players around him. Just I just think that if Aubameyang and Broja start really really cooking, it means that the the defenses start getting more. Um, there's more trepidation going on. They're more scared of having to deal with those two. And it gives the others more space. I think when you've got three players all misfiring and they just think they're in charge of the situation, it's difficult for everybody. I just think if a, if you've got a really class player, if Aubameyang is as class and as competent as I think he should be and will be, I mean, we've been there before with saying he should play well, but we're looking at somebody who fits um, Tuchel's, Tuchel's plans immensely. He's played very well for him at, at Borussia and he's played well. Recently he's been playing well for Barcelona and he played well for Arsenal. It looks to me as if then that becomes you know, defences having to deal with him will be stretched, leaving more space for other players to go into and I really think that's that will be an advantage, uh, that we need to see him playing before we work out where the other players can be You know, and I think we may get the chance tomorrow it yeah, may be that he we'll starts. See. Yeah, it may be. I mean, I, th- I think you made a really good point in the fan bite, which uh, was, was basically that what Brozier does so well is he makes a nuisance of himself. Yeah. And actually, yeah. that's the minimum requirement you want of a striker. Lukaku couldn't even do that, the lazy sod. But, you yes, know, I love that, that little challenge. Well, one us. of you, one of you. Sorry, sorry. A little challenge that he did just when he went for the ball and the ball bounced and he was in on the goalkeeper immediately in a straight line. Yeah. And and it, it it freaked the goalie out. He, he had the ball in his hands, but none that almost lost it. And I thought the speed of that was great. He's a speedy attacker, you know, which Lukaku never was. So, you know, and no, which I have to say, exactly. Giroud never was. And Havertz tries to be, but he hasn't got that kind of bullish quality. Hasn't got that killer instinct. Broger clearly yeah. has, you know. But Sorry, I, Alex. Alex, Alex. Uh, I, can't, I can't even remember what I was going to say now. It clearly wasn't. Oh, sorry. No, no, it's got, it, was, it really wasn't important. Um, I mean, the other thing is, of I was course, you know, about Lukaku. I said the only time Lukaku ever made a nuisance of himself was with us. Yeah, true. <laughs> I mean, when you've got three, you know, strikers who are not strikers playing together, 
then that's the point, isn't it? You know, they're, they're all playing in a line effectively. They're not, you know, you don't have that focal point. Every yeah. Everybody I've ever met who's a, who's played as a striker says the same thing, is that that's what they do. They are a focal point, you know, well, and they I occupy defenders. Like West Ham as well is odd not to have that, not to start with that, because they just have big meatheads at the back, don't they? Well, I know, and I think that's why he played two little players. He thought he was, they were going to jink their way around him, but they, they never got close. But as the minute we brought, you know... Um, Brozier on it, it it made it if i mean mount mount coming on too mount you know mount got in amongst them far more than gallagher and i mean i, I don't think mount's in particularly good form at the moment is is i mean i'll tell you what i was i was thinking about this when i was watching the game it's quite fun watching it after it's happened actually and you kind of know what's happened but you know mount's getting a lot of grief as he always does um i don't think he's in good form at the moment i won't lie i, I said i said it plenty of times but you know, what you get from Mount, you know what we were saying earlier on is you've got all these players who seem to be uh, too fearful. They play with fear about, you know, losing the ball or giving the ball away or making a pass that's a bit risky. What I like about Mount is that he always takes the risk. He always tries it. He doesn't have that fear like the other players do. And actually, it doesn't come off a lot. And he looks like a twat when he when, when that happens. But actually, at least he's got the balls to try something. And he's always trying something. And I, I like that. And I think, you know, we've heard Tuchel say that, uh, you know, over the last year. He wants them to, to be braver, to, to take risks, to be courageous. I think that's why he likes Mount, because Mount, Mount gives it a go. He tries. There's that bizarre thing of having to take a risk, but then try not to give the ball away so that there's an immediate counterattack. Well, it's, but then that's, tricky, that, this is this balance that I think they have to yeah. try and find when when they play between being too scared to to lose possession because Tuchel will bollock them and being brave enough to take the risk of losing possession because they might get a goal and I think I think Tuchel said it in that presser that, that I highlighted it he said you know we went a goal down so maybe we played like we had nothing to lose and that's the point they had they had to throw caution to the wind or even the the substitutes come on thinking I haven't been chosen I've got to impress I must impress Perhaps there was a touch of that because uh, Havertz played with much more energy than he's uh, he's exhibited recently. Alex, I'm just going to say that I I never give us the credit for being able to come from behind. I never expect it. Um, I don't know if that's just not recently, recently. Not, not recently, no. Um, but we did, and for that they deserve some credit. I well, think even if, well, it was never going to be pretty because it's West Ham. Alex, um, Alex, and they get it done. This is the first time that Chelsea have come from behind to win after conceding the first goal at home in the second half of a Premier League game for 13 years. And I oh, was—I'm so not losing my mind. You're not losing your mind. And I was there. It was the Stoke match when uh, that was magnificent. Belletti and 13 Lamp- years ago, Lampard scored in the last minute. God, and the roof actually came off, and all the Stoke players were rolling around on the floor crying. It was amazing. Was one that of was Scolari, wasn't it? Yeah. Scolari was manager. Yeah. Was that really 13? I'm so old. Stock, Stock, Miloslav Stock and Fabio Barini played that day. Oh my How God. about those apples? So and there you surely, go. Did, did, did Franco De Santo play as well? It might have been, actually, it might have been De Santo and said, I can't remember. It's 13 years ago. We did a podcast about it. We were, we've actually been going that long. That's quite frightening. Um, anyway, talking about losing possession, um, Jay, I don't know why Jorginho came on for Cheek. Cheek was doing all right, I thought. I think he's, he, he, as I said, I think he's quietly blossoming, blossoming into quite a player. His, his figures were were 
going down maybe he was uh, getting a bit yeah maybe anyway we say these are the things we don't know aren't they anyway his sole contribution Jorginho's sole contribution was uh losing losing possession which enabled Corne to then head against the post which should have been a goal which would have scruffed us uh completely and his other contribution was a back pass and a foul uh the foul uh in other words you know he he passed backwards rather than going forwards and he fouled, I can't remember whom, uh, and then from the free kick, that actually led to the goal, uh, the first goal. So His star is not in the ascendant at the moment, is it, Jorginho? He's not, uh, he's not, playing, uh, um, he's not playing very well, let's be frank. Um, he's not. And I, I hear he's not, he's not keen to sign a new contract. And, of course, his That's contract's well. up at the end of the season. Yeah. I mean, given what we were saying you know, beforehand. I mean, of course, a lot of this... I mean, I know we're crying out for a defensive midfielder. We're worried about Kante being injured all the time. But uh, I'm just trying to see if he was actually... I can't remember which goal he was he was responsible for, but one of them anyway. But um, is this a, is something... Is, is this a hint of the future, that he won't be played? Well, I'm beginning, I'm beginning to wonder that. And if you look at... I, mean, I wonder if we basically recruited his replacement already. Well, yeah. maybe. I mean, you know, I mean, look... As I said, if you, if you think just in you know defensively minded players that we've got who can play in midfield, you know Jorginho, Kante, Kovacic, I'm led to believe Chukwuemeka is as well, and Zakaria is. We also have got Cheek playing in there, you know. Although I've got him in as the attacking midfielders, but we know he can play there, and I think he's doing a pretty good job. So it's it's one area we might not be massively happy about it, but it is actually arguably our most stocked area there are one two three four five six players that can play in in that position so and it's, have we done that because we've got no intention of giving him a new contract i don't know i mean Zakaria's, you know on loan so he's a bit like saul he's an experiment isn't he if he's if he's good he, he might get a contract if he's not he'll go back chuck Wameka is very young you know that's why i said that those two have replaced ampadu ampadu and gilmore so really, it's Jorginho, Kante and Kovacic plus Cheek, I would suspect. But we don't know. I mean, Tuchel seems to be quite keen to be playing Zakaria soon. And he's, you know, he's, he's not short of experience. So, uh, he said he might start yeah, tomorrow. He may do. It's just very interesting. I mean, the reality is, going back to kind of where we started this discussion, it, I, I'm I totally with you, Jonathan. I, I, I think we've got so used to seeing Tuchel religiously playing 3-4-3 three, three, or a variant on it that we just think that he finds a system and he says, that's it, we're sticking to it. I'm not so sure. I think the squad tells me that we have options to play lots of different systems. You know, I think I think 4-4, four, 4-3-3 four, uh, three, three is not out of his head completely yet. I think uh, th- I think the 3-1-4-2 work very well. I think it works. I like it because, you, you know, I, I've been moaning and moaning and moaning about not having enough strength in midfield. Two players in midfield for teams that are going to hit you on the break is not enough. And also, if you have three, one of those can be a creative player who can create a link between the midfield and the attack, which is something we simply don't have. So the four of the four, two are the wing backs still. So you've got two midfielders. I can't see him dropping wing. that. Well, I mean, I, either either he, he he plays wing backs to get his width and get his delivery from from the width, or he plays wingers. And I've been saying, I said this last week. He's got two wingers in the three wingers in the side: uh, Pulisic, Ziyech, and Sterling. Now, Ziyech is more of an out-and-out winger. Pulisic can play inside. We know that. Sterling can play inside too. But, you know, I don't think... This is not a man who plays with proper wingers. He likes his width coming from the wingbacks because what he likes about wingbacks is that they can get a you know shift on and suddenly three at the back becomes five at the back. 
That's what. That's how we won the Champions League. Yeah. You know. So yeah, it's it's it's. I think it'll be fascinating to see what happens. But I I really do hope J.K. Out of everything, he's seen what having you know a couple of units up front can do. How disruptive they are. You know what a nuisance they can make of themselves. Because I I wasn't convinced that he likes that. I was thinking me. You know he likes these little players. You know. Who can run around people, but it's no good if they don't run around anybody. They just end up passing it back. Would you say that um, Aubameyang is a unit? He's not really. He's a he's a, a speed merchant. He's a, he's got agility. He's got a. I think he's more like Havertz. He's he's a big guy. He's, he's, yeah, he's very not a pussy, tall. Is he? No, he's tall, but he's not like Drogba or or, yeah. uh, no, no. or Lukaku. But he's 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 yeah he's he's a big guy. I mean, I, who knows how mobile he's going to be at thirty three, but. We're going to find out sooner or later, but I, I wish him all the best. Um, I mean, either way, I still think that Tuchel's got some work to do to get the system and the personnel right with all these new arrivals. And I think, Alex, you made an excellent point about that, that it's going to take them some time to settle in and, and get this working, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, it's a shame that circumstances have conspired to mean it all happened so late, but I don't think he'll be disappointed with the business that we've done. I don't think... I don't think he's gonna like he's not he's not fucking Brendan Rogers sitting there weeping on the sidelines, is he? Because like all of your good players have gone. I think the players that have gone he didn't want. Um, or he didn't or we we didn't have the power to keep them, like Rudiger. And you have to bear in mind as well with Jorginho, they've won everything with Chelsea. And they have a very short shelf life and maybe they want to experience something different before they retire. It's not always about Chelsea. It's about having one more deal and one more transfer and one more club to play for before you're forgotten and on the scrap heap um and sometimes it just just it just not it doesn't matter what you offer them it's not what they're after like with well, you, the more clubs you're with you're hedging your bets with the ambassadorial role aren't you yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> god if you're that in that case mark chopra should be the most loaded man in football but didn't yes. he just keep signing for new clubs because he had a gambling problem <laughs> I still can't get over that that symmetry about the ins and the outs. If you look at it in terms of position, though, I hadn't. I, hadn't, yeah. I, hadn't I, I think Tuchel would be quite pleased with what he's got to work with, but quite stressed about how little time he's got to mm. make it work before things start to look. I think he he made the statement, didn't he, that now was the time that he was at, all he was doing was just working with the players. Yeah, because he's been so involved in so many other things. The um, the um, the brief press conference today was was interesting actually about uh, Zagreb because he was very unkeen to discuss anything. He said for which he might be fined. Yeah, no. So uh, he he now he's now become he's learnt by having his fingers burnt, hasn't he? He will not now comment. He's learnt how to say the FA are wankers without saying the FA yeah. are wankers. <laughs> But it is interesting, isn't it, that there's been this absolute outrage about the, just to go back to it briefly, yeah. about the um, the VAR decision with West Ham, and nothing has been said about Cucurella having his hair pulled. There's no. been no reference back to that. Jonathan, every- no reference to the fact that you can look at something because it looks so bad, you think it might be a straight red card, and then not give a fucking free kick afterwards. Yeah. It's because everybody hates Chelsea. <laughs> I'm beginning to think this really is the case. Yeah. There really is an enormous agenda against Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, it started. It started. It started when we were bashing everybody in the 80s and the 90s, as in physically, not not winning. 
Roman accentuated it to grand new heights because we ruined football for everybody, apparently. What we did was we broke up the hegemony of Arsenal and Man United, you know, two massively popular clubs. So that went down like a cup of cold sick. Um, and uh, and then, of course, you've got the whole Roman, you know, being Russian and the Ukraine thing. You know, a lot of people wanted us to, to go to the wall. A lot oh, of people did. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. You know. Uh, it's just, yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, I, I was, I, I couldn't, have, I couldn't believe my ears when I was listening to to Talksport this morning and heard Graham Sooners going against the whole wave of, you know, sympathy for West Ham and kick it, you know, kick VAR out, and it's the most disgraceful. He's the only one. Fucking God love you, Graham Sooners. I, I, I had the opportunity to in, interview him for a programme I made once and I couldn't do it because I was too busy. So I had to send one of the associate producers up to do it up at Newcastle. And uh, we, we, I, I tasked him with asking him about why Liverpool players all had curly perms. So I was really, I was really wanting to ask him that question. But, uh, but he, was a, he, was, he was lovely, apparently. He was not, not the reputation of this. I mean, you know, I did another programme featuring him and I... I think I had a I I had the, the the background music of Psycho Man by Ozzy Osbourne because you know he was a psycho on the pitch, and we, we that was the whole the whole five minute piece was about him trying to kill people on the pitch, but I tell you it was brilliant listening to him. He wasn't having it. He said that's a foul, reckless endangerment every day of the week, mate. Put his six studs on him. He's the only one. Everybody else, sheep. But also, there was even a, even people were even debating on Twitter that um, that Chelsea should have the uh, the points taken away from. No, no, fuck it. Don't stop. They're relegators. Oh, fucking relegators. See if see if we care. No, <laughs> oh, mad, 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 mad. Um, look, more sensible things uh, to talk about. Arguably, is the fact that you can join the uh, the Chelsea pitch owners. Um, talking of the eighties. Although that was the 90s, wasn't it? But anyway, you can uh, get yourself a CPO share and that will mean that you will have a share of the freehold of the stadium and protect it from being sold to a property developer in the future. Uh, thus ensuring that football is played at Stamford Bridge. Uh, it's spiritual home forever. Now, the, sh- the shares are priced, I think, about 110 quid for an electronic share. They may have gone up because I haven't, I haven't looked for a while, but, but about 100 quid for a, for a share uh, you can pay nearly 175 for a signed and framed share by a Chelsea player. Bottom line, go and do it because uh, it gives you a power that no other supporters in the world have. Now, the best way to do it is to go to the Chelsea website and search for Chelsea pitch owners. Now, before I do the trust um, shout out, it's just just uh, occurred to me, actually, something else we didn't talk about. And that's the scout, the much derided. I don't know why he's derided, but is it Scott McCracken or something? What's his name? Any Alex? Do you know his name? No. The, the scouts. J.K. Scott. Scott something. McCracken Scott or something. Scott something. Yes. Scott Muck. One of the boys in the chat room will know. Ed, uh, Mark's in there. He'll tell us in a minute. McBoatface. That's what. Yeah. We'll okay. So we'll call him Scott McBoatface. McBoatface. You don't get this level of unprofessionalism on every Chelsea podcast. No, only, only, only this one. Anyway, he's he's apparently left and he's been put on gardening leave. Uh, so they're clearly going to get somebody in to do the scouting. Uh, really? and, and, of course, they're looking for a new director of football. And Tuchel was, in fact, asked um, asked about, uh, you know, if he was involved in the search for a sporting director. And he says, I'm not involved in that. I have to say, I'm so, so happy. I had the feeling for one and a half days, I shifted back to 100% being a coach, which I enjoy a lot, where my full energy will, now, will go from now on. 
We need that energy going into the team. It's a very complex situation with sporting directors and which role they have. They are very different in different countries and clubs. It's no secret that I love to work with Petr Cech. The communication and having this kind of legend at Cobham, who took care of not only our building, but the academy and the culture of the club, was a pure pleasure for me. It's a big change not to have him, and we're still adapting. Mm. He says, I'm not actively involved in the search or building of a new structure. I'm not, I'm not, so I'm not so sure it's my job. So lots of things in that. I mean, first of all, he, he really didn't like having to deal with all the transfer stuff and helping Todd Bowley out because he, you know, it takes away from what he likes to do, which is to coach the team. Um, and he loved working with Petr Cech, not, not least because Cech was a legend at the club and he felt that that helped culturally. So it sounds to me he was a bit unhappy that Cech left because he had a good working relationship with him. So all this, you know, people bitching about Tuchel being a bit miserable. Well, he's Marina he had a good relationship with. Czech he had a good relationship with. So, you know, anybody would be a bit pissed off that they're not there. So I thought that... I think Chelsea are going to have to be very careful who, who they get, although there's a lot of talk about that ex-Liverpool guy who was a big stats man, who bought, bought all these players based on stats. Yes, he turned them down, didn't he? They offered him the job they're, earlier They're on. not giving up, though. No, I wouldn't have thought so. It's not. It's not Bowley's uh, um, in his remit to give up. That's the impression I get once he targets somebody. He's obviously the best there is as well. I think he wanted a year off, didn't he? And I think he's been very true to his um, uh, his initial decision. So perhaps after the year he will return. Now, I think. I think. I'm not even sure the offer of huge amounts of money was sufficient. He just he knew that he would get a similar job at the end of it. I think he just wanted a year to himself, which is. The very fact he can do that, good for him if he wants to make that kind of decision. Year with the family. Felt yeah. that yeah, I think maybe it. you don't want that when you first retire because you're like, oh my God, what am I going to do with all this time? And I don't want to be... No, but he's a young guy, isn't he? It's not as if he's yeah. retiring. I think he just wanted the time off. Yeah. Um, well, as I said, I think we're going to have to be very careful who we get because I think, you know, I think the relationship with Tuchel is the important one. But this guy isn't the uh, director of football. He's the stats man. He's the... Uh, He's the man who works out the transfers according to the abilities of the players and the percentages accordingly of the of their their. Um, but that's what a direct. That's what a director of football does. Is the director of football do that as well? I thought the director well, of what football. Do you, what, was, what do you think? Was more con- concerned with just with um, PR of the uh, no. of, of liaison between. Well, look the, at look at the team and, the, and the director. Look at Emanalo. You know? They they basically the director of football works together with the manager to identify the footballing strategy for the club i.e. where it's going, how they want to play, what kind of players they want to fit into that, and then he organises getting them. I thought it was a bigger remit than that. Well, it is, but, I mean, we've only got a two-hour show. But, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think, you know, he would be very involved working with Tuchel and, and selecting players. And I think what, what you saw with Marina and Czech, Marina and Czech were basically a combination. You know, both put those two together, you had a, you had a director of football. Marina looked after all of the, the transfers. Czech had a role, I think, in identifying players. And, you know, as well as, you know, I mean, I think largely his role as a legend was probably the easiest thing for him to do. But uh, I certainly think he had an input. I mean, Mendy was was effectively a Czech scout, wasn't it? Yeah. Be interesting anyway. to know what, what happened ultimately, why he was... Uh, yeah. Why he, whether they wanted them all out, they just decided to be a new broom to sweep clean, which frequently, frequently happens with new regimes, isn't it? Yeah, I, th- I think a, there was a bit of that, but we don't know, really, do we? Anyway, uh, last shout, uh, uh, as I always do, uh, the Chelsea Supporters Trust. 
Um, yeah, it's an exciting time for the Trust at the moment. It's about to be our AGM. Our AGM is on the 24th of September. So um, if you've got a couple of hours free on a Saturday, you can actually go. It'll be held at the club somewhere. I'm not quite sure yet. Uh, but you'll be able to see it on Zoom if you want because they'll be Zooming it. Um, but that's where they decide. Well, they report back on what they've done over the year, obviously. Uh, but they also put forward all the motions. You can put forward a motion too if you want. Um, if you're a member of the trust already, you would have had an email to that effect. And then uh, then you will vote on whether the motions get passed and get carried through as policy. And after all of that, we have an election. So um, everybody gets uh, is up for re-election, including me. So there we go. I can't say any more than that. Although the election cycle's not started, so I could say vote early and vote often for Chidge. Maybe I'm allowed to do that. I don't know. I'll say it. Yeah. Otherwise, you'll end up with a total knobber in charge like Liz Truss. Um, or maybe the election Maybe the election has started and I can't say anything. No, I don't think it has. I think I've just about got away with it. <laughs> anyway, Paul, Paul uh, Pablo will be on my case big time if I've just erred. Uh, so I'll give the on-air apology now. I apologise for saying all that and I retract it. There you go, Pablo. Um, anyway, uh, it's an exciting time. It's good to get involved, obviously, because they do they do have quite a large say representing the fans in uh, you know to the club on particularly kind of match going fans and match day issues. Um, and you get to attend the meetings, and they do all sorts of other things as well, like the the food banks and the sleepouts. And you get a lovely badge, like a Blue Peter badge, but a Chelsea Supporters Trust badge. So there you go. Five quid a year. Good value as well. ChelseaSupportersTrust.com. Sign up today. We will be back after a very short break uh, to read lots of very interesting email. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match... And they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month. And you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Ginge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. 
footballfancast.com. Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. I am, of course, Stanford Chidge, joined uh, by the ever so brilliant Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Oh, Chidge. Chidge. Thank you. Lovely to be on the show. Lovely to have you. And we've also got the absolutely delightful Alexandra Churchill. You say that after I just made all your listeners turn off when JK made his cup of tea by blabbing on about the No, I, I think, like me, they were they were utterly riveted. I don't doubt it for a minute. Did we find out about Scott McBoatyface? Scott McClacklin. McClacklin. Oh, yeah. I like yeah. McBoatyface better. No, I think we'll just call him Scott McBoatyface. Anyway, uh, we're back. Uh, part three. Part three is where we do our emails. And this week we've got five absolutely lovely ones. And the first one, JK, is from James Yu. James U, Y-double-O, not Y-O-U, which would be strange. Um, hello, Chelsea fancasters. I'm writing this email an hour or so after the Southampton versus Chelsea game. So this email would be all frustration and all over the place. Yes, as it was for all of us, James. First off, what the hell? I like that. Polite, but, you know, making its point. Um, I thought that Tuchel was supposed to be a master tactician. Last quarter of the past season, first games of this season, he's been tactically outcoached, constantly making ill-timed time substitutions. Is he just being stubborn as hell? I hope he isn't becoming Mourinho version two or even worse, Sarri. He already whines and make ex- makes excuses in every freaking post-game interview. I don't want Chelsea to be where number nine careers go to die. Well, we're going to see with the Barry Ang, aren't we? Too Secondly. Late. Secondly, when he arrived, he stated the Cobham Academy was special for players and fans. So why why doesn't he freaking use them? I like freaking. I don't get his refusal to use Cobham graduates and use rotational slash second-rate footballers. Thankfully, Bowley has started to cut them loose like Barkley and the like. Thirdly, Jorginho has to go or only be picked for teams that can't press him. I don't know how he got not how he not how he got among the leaders in being dispossessed, or it's just each time that he does, it leads for an opposition goal or yellow stroke red game. I never rated him and never will. Tuchel said we don't need any more midfielders. Clearly we do. Injuries and poor form. Freaking hell. At this rate, I can only see Chelsea scratching and clawing for fourth place this season. I don't want fourth finishes and long cup runs. I want fucking titles. Bloody hell, James. God. (laughs) <laughs> freaking in hell that we've suddenly got a fuck bloody hell uh, lately i've been wondering who will be the manager in one to two years time maybe i sheepishly still miss lampard because i'm gonna have to have a lie down i was feverishly a lot one pick here isn't there <laughs> i was feverishly refreshing my podcast feed from sunday evening to monday afternoon that's um what is it european standard time est i can't remember english standard time for this past Sunday's episode, I was having Chelsea fancast withdrawals. Sweet. Anyway, keep up the great work. Loyal podcast listener, James. So, James, well, there's several things we can talk about there. We've been just been talking about Jorginho possibly not being picked the way things are going. So we're there with you. He's not started well. But I think also you're 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 um, basing all of this on uh, on those two um, losses. And I think things can only get better. Personally, I'm I'm in a very um, optimistic mood actually I just think as Chidge has pointed out we have done 
decidedly well in the transfer window, just picking players for players. I think it's been rather cleverly done, actually. But I agree. It's I don't think he's. It's, it's a question of use, using the Cobham Academy people if they're not playing well enough. Um, he is so keen on the way that you train as he said about mandy mandy is on fire training but something's happening on the pitch he's People so think that, leeway don't they if they're training well yeah yeah there, there's a the rationale to me is it's so 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 uh, training pitch based so many of the decisions made um so uh, yeah i agree we were rubbish against saints but once again i keep going on about it we've we uh you know the chances that did come to us, we didn't we didn't put away. So let's see what happens with Abamyang. I mean, it may be if Abamyang doesn't find it is the curse of the number nine. Then uh, um, perhaps we re, re, we um, reassess, and the man who sits behind me gets his uh, gets his wish, and Pochettino comes in. But that's that's uh, that's going down a very strange route. Very dark and twisty route. Very dark and twisted. Rich Hitch, number two. Talking of dark and twisted things, um, I, I would just add as a caveat to that, James. Um, yeah, see, the, there's there's the only people that know that we recorded a podcast last Sunday, when in fact we nearly always record on a Monday, were people who were in Mixler. Because unless somebody blabbed that we were, were recording, well, maybe somebody blabbed. Because basically, we didn't finish until like really late. It was nearly 11 by the time we'd finished. And I'm sorry, I was too tired to go and edit it. And then I was busy on the Monday, so I didn't have time to edit it and put it up until the, kind of the usual time that it goes out. So I'm sorry about your withdrawals. And I'm glad we managed to sort you out a fix in the end. <clears throat> right, we've got a, another email. We had, I think we had one from Matt last week. Matt Scott. Good evening, all. Hope you are all well. I think I'm very well, thank you, uh, Matt. Uh, currently hiding in my garage about an hour after the final whistle against the Dirty Hammers. I imagine I will be spending a bit more time up here this evening after a couple of incidents while listening to Chelsea on Radio 5 Live. In the 88th minute, not only did I throw a cushion across the front room <laughs> when Havertz banged in the wing winner, which smashed a vase my wife and I were bought for a wedding present a few years ago. Ooh, Matt. But I also shouted the words... Fucking get in, you bastards! Which my beautiful four-year-old daughter <laughs> has now been saying on repeat for the last hour. Oh, Matt. Needless to say, my wife is now absolutely fucking raging. Going to be a long night. Love to you all and up the fucking chels, Matt Scott. Matt, what can I say? You have my... No remorse, Matt. Yeah. Own it. Yeah, but you have my sympathies, mate. That's That's just cruel. Cruel. Can I just say, I don't think we should call them the Dirty Hammers because I think that's uh, that's reserved for Leeds. Yeah. I think we should call horrible them Hammers, the, horrible Hammers, the, the horrible Hammers, yeah, horrible Hammers. The, yeah. the uh, what do we call something with irons? What can we get? All the bubble blowers, the bastard bubble. bubble I like blower. calling them irons for the obvious reason. Yes, yes. But uh, a few of them got flat. There are a few flattened flat irons actually. Apparently on Saturday, it was quite a bit of ag going around from some of the pictures I've been seeing. I wasn't there, so I don't know. Was that was was that a bit of a naughty atmosphere? Oh, I tell you what was interesting was the way that the, the very end of the game. Guess who was after the um, after the uh, the goal wasn't awarded? The one player who appeared to be mixing it with all the Chelsea players was Emerson. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely bizarre. Yeah, he was going up and confronting people and pu pushing them and and poking them in the face. I always knew he was a wrong one. You know that they were looking at him, going, "Do I know you from?" Yeah, somewhere? they were. Yeah, that they guy were. he used to work in the canteen. Well, I like I like the fact that Mason Mount just 
told him to fuck off, pushed him out of the way. Do you remember that? He got a bit lippy. Mason just was, shoved him off. There was one moment, actually, when he did push somebody and then then clearly thought, I, I've gone too far here. This is a mate, because then he apologised. Silly apologize. boy. Yeah, silly boy. Right, okay. Email three from Gabrielle Ewan. Uh, hi, Chidge. Gabrielle Ewan. Oh, it's, it's you. Sorry, uh, JK. I was about to I launch into I love this. Hi, that. Chidge. Susanna's active friend in the gang. Well done, Gabriel. Very good. Very good. Listening to the uh, the fifty years of Chelsea, where I was that was my role as uh, with Ken Bates because I spoke to his wife, and I was known from then on as Susanna's actor friend for that period. And she said to me, "You don't, you, you didn't need, you haven't spoke to me about football. I'm really surprised. I did things like I said, where are you going on holiday? Where do you like? Uh, what do you do in your spare time? What hobbies have you got?" She said, oh, that's rather lovely. I rather like that." I became known as Susanna's actor friend. Anyway, um, it's been a while since I wrote. Hope you're all doing fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you for the therapeutic sessions, as always. They're priceless and truly the best medicine for heartaches. I must mention the 50 Years of Chelsea series. Absolutely. Mark, the historian, is the goat in my book. Completely. Absolutely agree. Phenomenal. Memories brought back. I was reminded of how shit Ranieri was. I think the person who says Ranieri is shit the most is me, actually, because he was really... Fucking awful. Um, God, we could use a pair like Jimmy and Ida right now and Zola too. And in fact, the, what I loved about the 50, 50 years of Chelsea is it really made me appreciate how completely phenomenal Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank was. It's something that I find that so difficult. You look at players in games, you think you get used to their competence, but then you see it, you know, in the past and you just think, actually, retrospectively, what a player, what a wonderful player. Anyway, um, what a game it was today, an abysmal first half and a shaky second half. It's about time we get something back from VAR after being cheated two points off when Mike Dean was in charge. Justice is served. The lad who's behind VAR today was Jared Gillett. Gillett always knew he's a good egg, seeing his performance from the A-League down under. We might be lucky today, but I'll take him all day because God knows when... When will VAR favour us again in the future? It's clear to me this team needs a kick in the butt every time we start a match. The fact we only started playing after we went to goal down says it all. There was no urgency, intensity or sense of purpose in the attacking third. The build-up was slow and lethargic. I could be in West Ham's mid. I could be in West Ham's midfield, and it would still be goalless. Set piece is still a mess, and God bless, God bless Mandy, but he's not helping his case at all. Why wouldn't he punch it out of the byline? Well, I think we've discovered he was being fouled. I think he needs to be ultra decisive. Hopefully, get a few clean sheets to regain that confidence. The new backline needs time to gel, and Koulibaly needs to up his tempo. I agree. But Fofano looked solid and Thiago was as imperious as always. As always, where will we be with, without him? Agree completely. What a class act he is, Gabriel. Um, is it time to start Chilwell again? I love Cucurella, but he's not offering much at the moment except his glorious hair. Uh, Chile came on, changed the game. What a touch, what a goal, what an assist. Surely this will post some questions to Tuchel. I also thought Broger looked really good. Do you want to say something, Alex, there? Oh, I was only going to come in after you were finished. Go for okay, it. all right, thank you. I also thought Broja looked really good, yet we're still missing those direct balls to him. I hope he starts next match because he deserves it. I'm really glad Kai finally breaks the duck. I expect him to kick on, provide more for the team. Is he truly generational? Hmm. James with the Chelsea aggro. Hmm. Boy needs to cool his head. Absolutely unnecessary yellow, even though he plays better on edge. A couple of other points I want to make. Since the Leeds game, I was feeling a bit sceptical towards Tuchel's approach to games. I think he deserves some criticism. 
Some of his comments post-match also feel unhelpful and reactionary. Perhaps the stress of the takeover and transfer got to him. I think that's the case, actually, yeah. I hope that with the transfer window shut, he can focus on football and coaching only, just like when he first came to Chelsea in 2020. We all know what he can do when he's doing just that. This team needs to play with cohesion and unity to make sure we're in the top four. Tuchel knows exactly what we need. I'm pleased to know that the Stamford Bridge crowd is making that clear. Though I'm curious to know who's replaced Timo in the chant, because I couldn't hear it on the dodgy stream. Was it Sterling? Who is it, by the way? Sterling. Chaps, Sterling. Credit must be given to Bowley and co, because that was a tremendous window he just pulled off and it was no easy feat. From no real football background, taking over a club of this size to committing a humongous sum of money to back Tuchel getting who he wanted and shipping out dead wood in just over a couple of months. Maybe it's time for a Bowley chant, eh? Chelsea fans continued to be spoilt and I couldn't be more thankful. Hold on a minute. I think Bakayoko's still on our books. <laughs> cancel, cancel the chant. Aha. Finally, I'd like to call on our fans to be patient with this team. This is a young team in a transitional period. Liverpool and City needed a handful of seasons to be real contenders. I certainly don't expect us to challenge the league, but top four in an FA Cup would be nice. A director of football's next on the priority list of Burleys. With another transfer window or two, and we could be a real force. As fans, we need to act like one if we want our team to play like one. Let Tuchel build his philosophy and style. The future of Chelsea is bright. A few bumps on the road are to be expected. We've won it all and we will win again. If you're going to the away game in Croatia, do enjoy the city of Zagreb. It's a beautiful city and the people are very nice. Let's hope for a better performance and a win to kickstart our European journey. Thanks for reading this long-winded letter. Not long-winded at all, Gabriel. Enjoy the rest of your evening and up the chills. Yours, Gabriel. Nice, nice, friendly um, uh, assessment of what's going on. It was, but I'd, I'd pull him on. I think he's been harsh on Cucciarella. I think some of his tackling since he come in has been phenomenal, um, and he's winning the ball, the ball back a bit. I don't, I don't think he's been average by any means since he came in, uh, and I would also say nay, leave Reese James alone because there's never a bad time to punch a hammer. <laughs> Very true. Uh, I think, you know, it's interesting about the points about Mendy. And I mean, I was saying much the same before I saw that video. But what I would say, though, is that I think, you know, I think Mendy needs to learn to catch the ball sometimes rather than punching it all the time. It seems to be what it, it's a very European thing, isn't it? They all punch the ball I mean maybe I'm just old-fashioned but keepers used to catch the ball once upon a time I think if you did that it might help so you catch aren't you um uh aren't you attracting a, a challenge because you've got the ball yeah but it's, if you... it's not like when Nat laughed Nat Lofthouse put the United keeper in the back of the net with the ball Harry Gregg was Harry the Gregg that's right um I don't know I just think you know it's uh, I'm just old school um all right email four from Andrew Davies hello fancast chums I felt the urge whilst running in the hills of South Wales this morning to sing the praises of our beloved Chili Bee on the back of the West Ham game yesterday. Way back at the dawn of the Roman Empire, my memory may be failing me here, so forgive me the details, and the first Champions League game under the new Chelsea, JT, Frank and Ida sat on the bench, perplexed, looking at each other as our expensively assembled foreign legion took the pitch. They all agreed that this wasn't going to be the way the things for their Chelsea careers and went on to form the greatest captain-vice-captain duo in the club's history, as well as a stellar trophy-laden spell for the Iceman. 
I hope that we're seeing something similar from our Ben Chilwell. Last season, Chile found himself benched for Marcus Alonso. Thanks for the memories, Marcus, due to mental and physical fatigue, but forced himself back into the reckoning and importance to the point where our season fell off a cliff when he and Reese got injured. This season has again found himself benched as our new 60 million man Cucurella took his place on the pitch. Has he once grumbled like so many former players or got his dad to like various social media posts criticising the manager? I'm looking at you, Captain Shite America. (laughs) (laughs) Or or what about, uh, what is Adres Abagalaga, whatever his name is, Kepa? Yeah. uh, Just deleting that he plays for Chelsea. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. No, he's kept his head down, waited for his chances, and when they've come, he's taken them with both hands. He changed the game yesterday with the equaliser and assist for the winner, and I, for one, fucking love to see it. Little more pleases, uh, little more pleases me more in this current side than Chilwell running down the wing for me. And to coin a phrase, if Chili B is happy, I'm happy. Up the Chels. I'm sorry if he's going to be running down any wing, it's going to be for me as well, actually, and and for Alex. For me, I can you run down the wing for you, Chid? Um, yes. You what, Alex? You want- I'd marry Chilwell after that goal. Hmm. Interesting. There was there was a point he made in here which really captivated me, actually. Um, You're not often captivated, yeah, are you? No, it was that comparison. I forgot that that uh, when we brought all the the the, the foreign legion in and uh, JT and uh, Frank and Ida were all on the bench. I think that's the point that I wanted to make. Actually, thank you, Andrew. I, I finally it's finally come back to me. You know. It goes back to your original thought too, JK, which is your much, much uh, often repeated Peter Kenyon stratagem, which was to have, you know, a squad of 25, basically two world-class players in each position, um, because then you have enough depth. Now, I wouldn't say we've got, you know, two world-class players in every position, but I think if you've brought in people who are better than you, in every position, then you, you are going to have more competition. And I think we said it a bit last year, didn't we, that certain players... There was nobody sitting there behind him saying, if you fuck up, I'm going to take your place, which gets them to yeah. kind of like up their game a bit. And maybe he's right about Chile and he's he's seen that. So maybe it's not a bad thing, uh, you know, having cover in these places, very, very good players who will be challenging you for your position. So you it's dare not slip up. Is Cucurella an upgrade on Alonso? I don't, from a shot point of view. Alonso oh, but from a or, defensive point of view, defensive point of view, oh, street streets ahead, yeah. and I think it's it's a question of just pairing them and seeing is that an alternative? Was that did he say I want that player, Tuchel, or did he say I want somebody of a standard that oh, that is better than the previous player? And if that's the case, the windows was terrific. If if it's a case of they went for certain players and they couldn't get them, well, I think that'll be for the future. Mm. Or if he can make the player the one that he's got into a better player, I think this. Um, uh, Zakaria is going to be a very interesting uh, um, purchase. Is he going to be Saul-like or is he going to be uh, as good as he was when he played for... Uh, was it Borussia he played for as well, I think, wasn't it, originally? Zakaria, before he then went to Juventus, where he, he's had a bad time at Juventus. But they they think that was just a, um, a problem of being played out of position, I think, and injury. Whereas uh, before, he was absolutely top class. So it's in the proof of the puddings in, in the eating. Let's just see how we get how it all works out. So we're waiting on him and Aubameyang just to show us what they can do, really, mm. which is uh, which is ex- interesting and exciting, really, because they could be top players. It could be indeed, but I do I do think competition uh, in the squad oh, so, yeah. is a good yeah. thing. Is a good yeah. thing. Right, last email of the week, J.K. to our old friend Steve Burton. 
Hi, Chidge and the gang. Great listening this season again. Thank you very much. Little clapping emoji. Uh, usually us fans like to see some passion from our manager. Is it only me that's being somewhat fed up with seeing Tommy T ranting and raving at every opportunity? Hmm. Um, his very poor team selections have surely contributed to many underwhelming match performances. There have been lots of injuries, Steve, I think, you know. Um, he's then consistently slow to change things when they're clearly going wrong. Mm, injuries, which to me makes his histrionics rather embarrassing than inspiring. Am I the only one that is just a tad fed up with this? I think you might be, Steve. He really should make the correct selections in the first place. He seems to have an obsession with players not making mistakes and just rants when they do. Against West Ham, like many, I was pleased to see a team set up with two up front. Equally very disappointed to see the two players, including Pulisic. <laughs> when the obvious alternative with Broger was Sterling to give the big hulks at the back for West Ham something to think about. Needless to say, when he did make the change, the team attacking dynamic changed instantly. Stop ranting, Tommy, please. It's getting embarrassing now. He, he didn't rant in, the, uh, didn't rant in the, uh, the West Ham game. I would add, I've always thought that Kai would be best suited to play as a twin attacker with a proper centre-forward, a bit like Ida did with Jimmy very successfully. But what do I know? Kai regards... Steve, and we've been talking about that in the program, Steve, with the business of playing two up and uh, the change that Broger made. So you're absolutely right. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm not. I think we've we've also discussed the, the the Tommy thing. I think he he's now got an opportunity to to just coach them, and uh, and I don't think we'll be seeing him as annoyed or ranting as much. I also think he he has to uh, uh, make a decision how much he does rant after a game. I don't think he'll be doing that as much um, because I think we'll also be playing better. So, mm. I mean, it'll be, you know, he's got work to do. There's no doubt about it. But yeah. uh, I, I think the, you know, the point about, uh, you know, him being distracted by the transfer window because he, he wasn't, didn't, couldn't have his full attention on the coaching and, you know, everything that happened under the sanctions, how disruptive that was, his role. I mean, you know, I think, I think, there's, there are valid excuses, Steve, but, you know, nobody's immune from criticism. And I think he has made some absolute horlicks in the last few games. But maybe that tells you where his head head is at and, you know, what's going on with the players. But from us looking on looking in from the outside, it has been quite startling. And you're right, Steve, nobody's, uh, nobody's above criticism, uh, certainly Tommy Tuchel included. But I do think... Uh, I, think, I mean, look, we know he's a good manager. We know he's one of the best managers in the world. We know that, you know, all sorts of things, all sorts of variables can affect things. They have done recently. Um, I, I have faith in him to turn it around because I think he's, he's good enough. And the other thing I would say is that I think he's earned himself a lot of credit in the bank, not just for the Champions League win, which, you know, usually uh, elevates a Chelsea manager to absolutely legendary status, but... Um, but for what he did during the uh, during the sanctions, I mean, because every single one of our our board absolutely pussied out of it like the chickens they are, Thomas Tuchel fronted down the whole thing for the entire time. He basically carried the club through the most difficult time in its you know 115 odd history, year year odd history, and uh, I think he's earned a lot of credit in the bank for that too. I mean, he could have walked away. Many many would. Many managers would have walked away. For a COVID, sanctions, all the bullshit he's put up with um, and the results he's pulled out despite, uh, I, he gets some slack from me. I, there's a, these emails feel very antsy. Did they all get written before the end of the transfer, Wendy? You people need to chill out. People need to calm down. Okay. Give yourself high blood pressure. 
Well, I mean, Steve, you know, I'm sure you've... Come on, Steve. You know Steve. You've met Steve. You, you would, Have I? Yeah, Next time yeah. I see him, I'll hug him. He, you, it's like he just needs a hug. You've met him at the <laughs> store, but Steve is the big Depeche Mode fan, so you would have known him from Twitter as CFC Mode. Um, but Steve has been watching Chelsea a long, 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 long time, like all of us. So uh, it's interesting oh, Steve. that. Steve. Yeah, but it's interesting that he's, you know, something's something's pissed him off about Tuchel. Yeah. But he's, he's totally, totally entitled to, to to have a pop. You know, that's what it's all Is about. Is this Pochettino chant going to take on? Do you think? No, it isn't. I mean, honestly, J.K. If that bloke had been sitting in the Matthew Harding, he'd have been slapped. He would have been slapped. He would have been slapped very yeah. early on. Not not necessarily because people are 100 percent behind Tuchel, but because they're 100 percent anti Pochettino for the obvious reason, the S word. So there you go. Anyway, uh, we are going to move on now because we're going to have a quick break. And then when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about the uh, Champions League, our opening fixture of the Champions League uh, tomorrow night in uh, the lovely city of Zagreb in Croatia. We're playing Dinamo Zagreb and we're going to talk about it in a minute. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea Footballfancast.com. Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. I'm, of course, Stanford Chidge, and I am joined by the right. Uh, Honourable Lord of the Privy Seal, Mr. Jonathan. I Kidd. say hello. Hello. You're an absolute shah. Absolute shah. Absolute shah. Uh, and the absolutely delightful, always lovely to see Alex. I mean, we miss Alex when she's out and about doing her history tours and things, and uh, we don't see her for months and months and months. And I've, we've seen Alex, you know, twice in the last couple of weeks. It's an absolute delight to see you, Alex. You're you're very well, and I'm glad to see that. You can't get rid of me. Uh, and huge, huge bonus points to Nathan, who is sitting in Mixler and has actually gone and signed up for the Astoria mailing list. He's the only one that did it, so he's now my favourite, you lot. Yeah, OK. Alex does war tours. I'll get it to give it a plug before we go. Another plug before we go. Uh, right. OK, so where do we always start with the uh, the midweek game or the, the game on a Friday? As it is, it's, the, it's the Chidge team selection, which I have to say is possibly a bit odd. And I would absolutely guarantee uh, that Tuchel will not pick this side. But this is what I would pick. And it's kind of almost the side that um, finished the game against West Ham. So it is Mondi, because I don't, I don't think, I think, I think Mondi would benefit. I don't think Mondi's hit the, hit the point where you need to save him from himself. I think, you know, getting him playing with that back three will uh, get the stability that we need. So Mondi... Same back three, Koulibaly, Silva, Fafana. I love this. I, I think I think Loftus-Cheek can play this uh, kind of, uh, you know, uh, slightly, um, you know, kind of, it's, you know, it's a, it's, it's a defensive midfielder, basically, but I think he can play there. Chil- Chilwell comes in for Cucurella for me because I think after playing as well as he did, I think Chile deserves a crack at getting a start. So I'd, I'd, I'd put him in there. James on the other on the other side as the right wing back, obviously. I'm playing four, uh, three, one, four, two, by the way. Uh, and I would have Gallagher and Sterling in the midfield. I say that because, you know, as I said, Gallagher can hair up and down like a lunatic, box to box. That's what he does. And I think Sterling playing in a slightly, uh, you know, uh, withdrawn role, 
allows him to profit from the spaces in between. And there will be spaces in between if Dinamo Zagreb are occupied by two men up front, which for me would be Brozier and Havertz. So there you go. So basically I'm putting into action, JK, nearly everything that I've spoken about tonight on the show. You're bold, bold and brave. Brave and bold. He James. will not pick anything like that team. But no, hey. for a start, Silver's Silver's not gone with the with the group. I see I didn't know that when I wrote this yesterday and I didn't check today because I was busy harvesting. So Silver's not playing. No. It's so dodgy. No, he's not playing. And um I agree with Fafana, I agree with Coda Bali. But it'd be interesting to see who plays the other position. He'll play Aspie, mate, not Jaloba. But he, he won't be your absolutely you're right. But he should play Jaloba. He should play Jaloba. Um uh I think he'll play um uh, Jorginho. Uh and I don't think he'll play the, the three one four two. I think he'll play five uh what will he play five uh five i think well i think he'll play he'll play one up front i think he'll play abamyang from the very beginning because he hinted in the in the little small press conference he gave he said if um he said the mask works well and uh uh if he has any any problems with the mask then he'll probably come on later but he actually hinted that he would start so I think he starts. And if he starts, does he play him on his own up front? Or does he play him with somebody? If he he won't start with Broger as well, I think he might bring Broger on to to replace Abamyang. Um uh just because he said he, he won't play the, he, he said he won't play the full game. He actually said that in the presser. Mind you, he said things before and, and gone against them. So I think he'll play Havertz and uh it's interesting, isn't it? Because Mount was so good, it's difficult to know what, what well, whether Mount then JK, Mount gets in. At this know? juncture, I'm going to read my... I've just found my notes about this, right? I've got my get-out clause now for my yes, Silver. Yes, you have, you have, you have. Right, Mendy... Silver Mendy, might be rested. Yeah, Mendy might be injured or dropped. Silver oh, might yeah, be rested. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, he said that he said he was possibly injured and and um, um, and uh, and Kepper would play because he was in pain. He All said right. that about Monday. So Mendy might be injured or dropped. Silver might be rested. Cucurella may start ahead of Chilwell. Yeah. Tuchel may not be convinced about playing Gallagher or Mount ahead of Kovacic and Havertz and Brozier together. So basically, I've got no idea. That was my getter. Yeah. Well, I've got I've got no idea as well. But in the sense, I, from having the hints he gave, which he might go against, it'll be Kepper. It'll be... Um, we don't, he didn't say who would play instead of Silver. He, he, he didn't mention that. But uh, if uh, if Aubameyang plays, um, I think he'll play Cucurella because he said, as you said, he wasn't quite convinced Chilwell was still fit from the beginning. So I think he'll bring him on for the moment. So Sterling would be behind. If he played Gallagher, uh, it, we're, all, we're, now, we're now not sure. Who's, he played James, obviously, on the right. But I think it's anyone we works out would work best with Aubameyang. Sterling, obviously. Would it be Mount? Would it be, you know, does he bring, uh, you haven't got Kovacic playing there. I think he'd bring Kovacic in um, to play against his home, because his, it's Croatia and he's he's apparently ecstatic about playing. So I think Kovacic definitely starts. Um, he said he was very emotional about going to play against, um, uh, playing in his home country. So that, to me, that's pretty obvious that he's going to start. But then, uh, then uh, that slightly gets a bit... <laughs> Woolly, quite sure. Well, no, he's he's going to play three four three, then, isn't he? So yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, like it. he ought he ought he ought to play Chaloba in the middle because you you know, I don't know unless unless Koulibaly or Fafana can. I don't know, but uh, who normally does play in the middle? This is interesting because normally Fafana, 
it would be Fofana and then Dave plays in the All right, so that's 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 what he'll do there. I'm presuming, yeah. Uh, yeah. Deep fucking joy. I, I am so happy and ecstatic that Jorginho and Kovacic will be playing in midfield. Not a not a chance or a pass forward between them. Uh, James and uh, Cucurella, I agree with that. And uh, then three up front. So Sterling, Aubameyang, and then who knows? Mount, Pulisic, Havertz. Knowing that he's got five subs, so he'll then, he'll then ring the changes if necessary. But, yeah. but I think the main thing is, is, I mean, I'll probably completely prove wrong. There was a mask problem, but he really did hint heavily that Aubameyang would start. Well, um, okay, so we shall see. I mean, it's it's. Uh, this... I hope he does. I really hope he does. I'd yeah. love to see. No, I'd love to see him too. I mean, this this is a this is a, what what comes into the category of an interesting fixture because we've never played Dinamo Zagreb before, and you know they're they're a pretty lowly ranked team. I mean, they I mean they they've been this this is the eighth time they've reached the the Champions League, um, but they've only won. Uh, I think uh, they've only won four of their last 19 European clashes against English opponents. They've drawn three, lost 12. Um, But they are a very tough nut to crack on their own turf. Okay, so they've lost only one of their last 13 home clashes in the competition. Um, I do remember reading somewhere that they're on a pretty hot streak of form uh, at home at the moment. They are... I think it's something like 26 games unbeaten. There we go. Uh, they've not lost a home match since December, giving them an unbeaten run of 26. They've got a fabulous history. I mean, they're kind of the premier club of uh, of Croatia. And in fact, they're, they're the most successful club in Croatian football. They've won 23 league titles, 16 cups, 16, uh, six super cups. What, and they, oh, this is the best thing about them. They won the Intercities Fair Cup, Affairs Cup, in nine, which became the Wafa Cup. In 1966-67 against Leeds United, hey! uh, and they finished runners-up uh, in the same competition in '63 when they lost to Valencia. They play the in bastards. Ro- the bastards. I, they they play in royal blue, uh, but it's been replaced in European matches with a darker navy blue. Uh, their uh, biggest rivals are Hadjuk Split, and uh, their derbies are referred to as the Eternal Derby. This this really had me laughing in stitches. Their hardcore supporters are the Bad Blues Boys, or the Bad Blue Boys. The BBB are often accused of hooliganism, which has already resulted in both UEFA and Croatian Football Federation disciplinary bodies issuing financial punishments to Dinamo Zagreb on several occasions for the group's flagrantly unlawful and violent conduct. This ill-suited behaviour includes property damage fights, both in and outside of the stadiums, and flare-throwing. But in spite of all of this, the BBB have been praised for their constant, vociferous, vocal and exceptional support during Zidimo. So it's going to be tasty out there, I think. It's not going to be for the faint-hearted and they're going to make uh, a lot of noise. Recently, uh, in terms of uh, matches against English opposition, um, what have they done? They got a nil-nil draw against United, who were, who were then uh, European champions in 2000. They lost 2-0 and 4-1 to Man City. Uh, in 1919-1920. But joy of joys, they knocked Spurs out of the Europa League in 2020-21, losing away 2-0 and winning 3-0 at home in extra time with a hat-trick from Mislav Orsic. Now, he is their best player. He's their top striker. I think he's got 17 goals in European competition over the times that they've been playing. Um, so we need to watch out for him. But they've also they've also produced lots of other brilliant players. Not not just Matteo Kovacic, Luka Modric, Davos Suker, 
Boban. You know, they've got pedigree, JK. They've got pedigree. They've got history. And, of course, they have a winning mentality they because do. they're uh, they're top of their league and they're used to winning. So it's 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 not going to be easy. They'll just have to, you know, deal with it as the consummate professionals they are. Unless, of course, they they uh, they go berserk and play above themselves, in which case it'll be us chasing all the way back, watching Dave make another mistake. So uh, I hope not. Well, we've lost just one of our last 11 away European uh, Cup matches. Won eight, drawn two. Scoring goals after the 70th minute in each of the last three. I think it's going to be like that, Alex. I think it's going to be one of those torturous European away games where you've got to you know, play it a bit like chess, bide your time, be patient, and just kind of you know, kill him in the last kind of quarter of the match. What do you reckon? Yeah, I just I will be if we get in and out of there with at least a point, that'll do. It's just it just for me, it's coming too early to expect anything more. If this was one of the November fixtures and he'd had several months to bed in the new signings and all that crap, then fair enough. But just get out of there with something. I think I agree. Arguably, Salzburg will be easier away. And what's the third one? Milan. Milan. So, I mean, preferably three points, but get out of there with a point at the very least, and don't fuck it up. Mm. That's all I want. Indeed. Jonathan, how, how do you see it going, old Bean? Uh, a draw. You think a draw? Yeah. I mean, think three home wins is nine points. Salzburg away, 12 points. If we get a point out of this, 13 points, that should be enough to see us through. I'd love us to win. but yeah, um, of course. But uh, as always. But I, I think it's more likely that uh, uh, I'd be happy with a draw, just because it's... Uh, uh, once again, we're not sure what Chelsea's going to turn up. You know, we don't know what Aubameyang is going to d- deliver to them. Don't know what whether Koulibaly plays better in European ties. We don't know because he's uh, um, at the moment he's he's a bit of a weak link for me. We will just have to see how, whether he ups his game because I think it's all been a bit of a surprise for him playing for Chelsea. It's much much more. Maybe he'd, he'll be better off at a European fixture. Yeah, yeah, wow. absolutely. Yeah, maybe. Um, I mean, you know, it's an. I mean, look, another stat here. Chelsea have won ten of their last eleven away matches in the Champions League, while securing victory in sixteen of their previous eighteen open opening matches. I, I mean, obviously, I want Chelsea to win. I, I think, I think they will win, but it'll be tight. It'll be a squeak. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if it, if it was a one nil. To be honest, but the other thing that worries me at the moment, we we always look like we're going to concede a goal. So, you know. It, that the nil is a big ask, I think, at the moment. So I'm going to go kind of one nil or two one, but I think we'll win by the odd goal. But it'll be tight, and as I said, I think it will be one of those scrappy, patient, you know, little niggly games. I think the biggest thing they've got to deal with, but they should all be able to do this. So they're all experienced enough to deal with the atmosphere, which will be absolutely rocking, I would imagine. Electric. Mm. You know, the Croats. Croats are very emotional people, so it'll be. It'll be hectic, that's for sure. So they need to calm, calm. I mean, you know, what would be perfect, of course, as we always say, would be to score an early goal. But uh, we'll see. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know whether they go for 1-0 or 2-1. I'm going to go 1-0. It's a hunch. So I'm going to go 1-0. You're going for what, Jacob? Draw? 0-0? 1-1? 1-1. 1-1. Alex? <laughs> I'm going to predict a ball draw, which I never, ever do. I'm going to get back in my box after saying we were going to smash Southampton. <laughs> a ball draw, as in a 0-0? Yeah. Hell's teeth. Goodness gracious me. Well, there we go. Um, that's pretty much all we've got time for this week. Gosh, that's whizzed by, hasn't it? Um, 
we will be oh god yes awful awful news um i'm not sure if i can do a show on friday well i know i can't do a show on friday because uh i'm at the oval all day and i and i won't get back in time i might do i might be back by eight i don't know i need to look yeah i'm happy to do eight yeah i don't know what time my train gets back um, do eight thirty if you want. Okay, but it 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 might be late. Yeah, I mean it might even stretch towards nine. So, well, I tell you what, if we did that, that would work because I can't do it on Thursday because I've got to drive Sarah up to. Oh, I've got to pick her up for the airport in the evening, so that won't work. And I was going to ask Dean if he wants to present it, but I have a suspicion that Dean will be up to his neck in nappies. So, yeah, might have to be a late one. I can't remember who who we got on the show on Friday after. Can you remember who we got on the show on Friday? Nah. nah, me neither. I might, I might try and find out actually while I'm fanning about. But uh, uh, at this juncture, I can't remember who it is. But I will try and find out. But anyway, whoever it is, whoever the mystery guests are, uh, I'm relieved to know that actually we might be able to do a show on Friday because JK's prepared to do the late shift. You see, JK like me is a night owl, so it doesn't phase him doing a late one. Me too. He is indeed. So there we go. It might be, it might be a late one. I'm just trying to find out who's on the show with us. Friday shows. Friday shows. See, I said Thursday, September the 8th originally because I knew I'd be at the Oval. Why have I got Alex down? I have got Alex down. You knew all the time. You were sitting there. I had no idea. So, you know, I'm not that organised. I don't know what's going on Friday. What is it? Monday. I Basically, till lunchtime tomorrow, my schedule is done. And beyond that is chaos. Yeah. So you all right with that? Yeah. Friday, doing a late one? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, when we're off air, I'll tell you what time a train gets in and we can work it out. So there you yeah. go. Officially, uh, me, JK and Alex and uh, Adam, if unless he wants to bail out doing a late one, will be back on Friday to obviously run over the uh, Dinamo Zagreb game and uh, talk about the Fulham game on the Saturday. So there we go. Yeah. Do join us for that one. Um before we go, Patreon, if you like what we do, you can become a member of the Chelsea Fancast Patreon community, which helps us to cover the cost of running all the shows we do. Um, it's easy. Feel free to donate whatever you want per show, per month, it, you know, as little or as much as you want. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. And if you do that, you become a member of our Discord group where you can like do what you do on Mixler, but 24-7 every day of the week. Uh, with lots of lovely people. And, of course, I will send you a Kerry Dixon mini banner should you want one. Um, lovely emails this week. Thank you for those. If you want to send in an email or you can just send us a message on Patreon or Instagram or Tweet or Facebook, whatever, uh, Then, but let me have them by the end of the day Sunday. Uh, otherwise, they won't make the show. Uh, the email address is chelseafancast at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow the show on all the social media at chelseafancast, me at Stanford Chidge. Jonathan at Jonathan Kid and Alex at Churchill. Alex, is it Churchill, Churchill underscore Alex? Churchill underscore Alex. There we go. So, Alex, lovely to see you again, and we get to see you for a hat trick. I know. Double dose you of Alex. Now, people running for the door. Well, I'm just absolutely delighted we get to see you so much. You've been great fun tonight, as always. Good to see you. Love you, dude. See you soon. All well, right. see you in a couple of days. No, you see me, see me on Friday. There you go. And uh, JK, lovely to see you, my old China. Good fun. Thank you, yeah. as always. Well done. Good stuff. Right. You lot in Mixler, thanks for joining us too. Always special to see you in there. Thanks for listening. See you Friday. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, keep it Chelsea. Up the shoes!
It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.